listening to C3 Church Vancouver podcast. We know you'll be blessed by this message. Close the microphone. Just press it long enough. Woo! We're here. Let's do it. So I can promise you I have a word hot off the press. <laughs> Feels like a wine press sometimes, but it's, um, it's, it's going to be good because God's in it. <laughs> so we're in the season of Advent. Not many people talk about that anymore, and to be honest, I didn't really know a ton about it, and so I had to kind of research a little bit more. You know, I grew up as a Catholic, so I should probably know a little bit more about these things. Um, But Advent means coming in Latin. So Advent is a time of preparation of our hearts. It's a season of making room. You know, it's amazing, though, because in our culture... We kind of, and my culture, and with me, as soon as it turns like, you know, November, maybe 25th, I'm just like, trees up, everything's up, there is like a whole month of Christmas, and we are just launching right into rejoicing. I don't even know what else to do. Um, You know, but it's amazing when you actually start to take a step back at those seasons of life that help to prepare you for what God has for you. You know, we're in a culture that kind of is like, come on, constant rejoicing, constant eating chocolate, constant, you know, this, this, this festival leads to that festival, and it just means that you eat chocolate for all of them, and you can eat as much chocolate as you want, and you could buy as much as you want, and don't worry about it later, and it's just this constant buying into these kind of festivals of, of up and up and up and up and up. But the thing about Advent is that it's this season of waiting of longing, of preparation, of allowing our hearts to make room for what God is about to do. This is probably the first time that I've, you know, experienced kind of the Advent moment before Christmas. Um, You know, as many of you know, my, my dad passed away a few weeks ago. And so it's been, it's been a tougher time. But at the same time, there's a God story in it. And God's been so good. But that doesn't mean that we don't mourn. It doesn't mean we don't grieve. It doesn't mean we don't go into those places of, of you know, of finding, finding that, those depths in God and to not just kind of rush our way through it. So when I came back from, you know, his funeral in Toronto and I came back and it was like the whole city's in, in Christmas mode. And I was like, oh, my heart and maybe some of your hearts too when it comes to Christmas there's a bit of a trigger. There's a bit of a, oh, those memories, or oh, those memories. But what I think we need to remember is there are those times of preparation that we don't always have to just launch straight in, and we can actually be like, God, prepare my heart, even where it's hurting, for what you are about to do. This is the second week of Advent. So it's you, you would light the purple candle. If I had the candles here, I would light the purple candle, and it's the candle of peace. And then next week is the third candle, and it's the candle of rejoicing. 
So we're right in the middle of this peace and this rejoicing. And I just want to speak into that a little bit. You know, there's a contrast in this season, and that's okay. And so for many of us, even in our church, we've been, we've been in the midst of, you know, even moments of pain and kind of processing in our life. And it's amazing because, you know, when you're part of church or you're part of family, when someone else is hurting, you're hurting too. You know, it's, it's, it's almost like sometimes I hurt even more when other people are hurting because I feel like I, I don't, I can't really help them. You know, I know what to do with my own pain, but I don't really know how to help other people. It's kind of a helpless feeling. But that's, it's, it's this crazy thing. It's the design of doing life together and journeying together and carrying each other's burdens together. And honestly, this church, you guys are just those people. You are, this is not a religious clique. We're not filled with all these little um, cliches of it's going to be okay. Like you guys, honestly, as a body, you guys have this capacity to be able to come into the depths of what someone is going through, feel it with them, and help them along the journey of it. And honestly, that is just of utmost value to me in this journey, but also to God. Isn't that incredible well, that we're not Job's friends of like, well, maybe it's because you did this. Maybe it's because you did that. Maybe it's, you know, oh, Job, you better look at that part of your life. But instead, just joining in and being like, joining into the mess of the moment and saying, I'm here with you and crying with you. There's those moments of life that we just do that. It doesn't last forever. But if we don't allow those spaces and those moments to happen, it could last forever because it gets stuck somewhere. Have you ever put a potato in an exhaust pipe? Don't do it. <laughs> Don't do it. it. Something gets stuck, right? Oh, my car. Gosh, it has, it has a mental illness. No, it's because it's stuck. There's something stuck, and you've got to take that potato, and you've got to let something move within relationship and within your expression of what you've experienced, and you'll be surprised at how quickly you can move to that next season. It's incredible. Our church is going to grow in that capacity to be able to be a safe place. I'm a little bit dancing a little bit different than I thought with this notes, but... When I came in, when I came in after, um, you know, the funeral and, and everything that happened with my, my with my dad, my family, and you know, when, when there's a death in the family or things like that, I mean, oftentimes you just have to kind of stay strong and, you know, get through the, the events and, you know, make sure you kind of, you know, do what you need to do. And then when I came back into the house of God, I had no idea the impact it would make on me to be in a safe place. Oh, and I didn't even feel like going to church that Sunday, to be honest, because I felt so vulnerable. But I walked into the house of God. It was you guys, but it was also God flowing through you guys. It was like I just felt like I could just be safe and kind of hidden for a moment. And I just went up, and I'm kind of like, do I pray for someone? I don't really know. And what happened was, you guys probably saw it. It was like I just went up, and each of you kind of went around me and just almost created like a huddle around me so that I could actually cry. And I could actually just, and you guys were crying with me. And there was, 
there was such power in that. I'm telling you, it's not just it's not just an emotional moment. There was power in that, and I felt like God, you are you are developing something of depth in this church that people can come and we can make space for what they're going through, so that they can find the narratives for their life. So those places that are disconnected in their lives can find connection to Jesus again. It's no small thing. And so just keep doing what you're doing, church. The way that we just carry each other through these seasons, it's practical, but it's also spiritual, and it's going to grow. Just launching right in. My first Sunday back, I, you know, I had that scripture on my heart of um, in Beatitudes. We all kind of know it. It's like, you know, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted, right? And so, you know, it was interesting. I, I went into, um, I went into, you know, kind of looking at different versions of that scripture and just kind of muddling over it. And, um, and I found in the Passion Translation in 5.4, I said, oh, that scripture's not there. That's very weird. But it says... What delight comes to you when you wait upon the Lord, for you will find what you're looking for. And I thought, oh, that's an interesting translation of that. And as you started to look, as translated from the Hebrew Matthew, it, the Greek um, is mourn, and the word wait and mourn is almost identical in, in this scripture. And it was interesting, I just found myself in a waiting, mourning moment. And I thought, God, perhaps mourning is waiting. Perhaps it is. Because perhaps it's something that we know that we're waiting for the fulfillment of what Jesus has done, and we're mourning. We're feeling that disconnection from someone we love, something that didn't go right, and there's that mourning and there's that waiting. And so I've just been finding myself, and I hope you find yourself, even in this season, whatever you're waiting for, whatever you're mourning, whatever you're grieving, God's there in the, the, the mess of it. He's there in the mix of it. And there's space for it. And no, you're not going to get stuck. That you gotta, you got to get people around you that are going to help you to actually voice those things so that you can get past those things. That's what you guys have done. That's what Patty's done for me. Sat me down in the worst moments of my life and allowed space for me to grieve and to move and to even be angry sometimes and be feisty, but let something move. Because what I've found is that anxiety, when I'm in moments of anxiety, it's pent-up anger. When I find myself in moments of depression, it's like it's those moments where I feel stuck and there's nowhere to move. And I feel like I just have to continually keep going and keep blooming. You know, it's amazing the pressure we put on ourselves when we look to continually bloom in our lives, to continually, you know, kind of keep going and keep going without those Sabbaths, without those moments of, of what looks like there's nothing there. You know, nothing in nature continually blooms. You look at it like... like we take the picture of, of, of the flower. Wow, look at this picture. I'm going to put it up on my Instagram and put all these filters like as if it needs that. But you're not going to take a picture of the dirt. <laughs> you're not going to take a picture of that cruddy-looking seed. But that's just, it's the same thing. It's just a different season. Right? And so as Christians, we have to allow ourselves 
to not get into that performance success mode where we need to keep producing when God has set up these Sabbaths for us. He's set up these moments and these seasons for us of preparation of our hearts for what he wants to do. He's not a bad God. He's a good God. He doesn't want to withhold from us. He doesn't. But he knows that we are human and our hearts cannot be in continual mode on this side of heaven of rejoicing. Otherwise, nothing's going to satisfy anyways. So our culture has taught us that we need to be in this continual thing of feasting and feasting and feasting and feasting without allowing the hunger to set in, without letting the dryness to set in, without allowing those times of reflection and waiting to set in. So we have to watch with all these things put into place of placebo effects on our lives to keep us from those waiting moments. And I just, just want to say that if you're in a waiting moment, if you're in a bit of a moment that's like, God, where are you? I'm telling you, he's still there. He's there right in the middle of it. And when we praise him in the middle of those dark moments, when we pray in the middle of those dark moments, God, I still trust you, even though it looks like this. Those are, that's the highest form of praise and worship that we can ever do. And it's setting a platform for your future. So don't, don't look at those times as just those times to just rush right through. I, I get it. I want to rush right through all of it. But I've realized that I've been surprised by the grace and favor of God on the other end of those seasons. So you just wait to see what God would do with them. You know, I've been, yeah, living through this message as I've been, as I've been writing it, which is, is, um, has um, a tension to it and a pressure to it. But it's amazing to see, actually, um, well, because God actually wants his word to be authentic, <laughs> you know, and, and the message is to be authentic, you know. And when I realize, oh, right, I'm scheduled to speak this week and still kind of feeling in the morning, the fact is, is that I said, yes, God, I'll do it, because I've learned very, very early in my Christian journey that when the going gets tough, I'm going to keep to the things of God, and I'm going to, it's, they say, when you're walking through hell, just keep going. Don't stop. Don't stop. Keep going. And it's been, it's been a journey of that, of actually just like, okay, God, even in my, because God's done more with my weakness than my strength anyways. Truthfully, he doesn't need all my strength. He's done way more with my weakness. So in the preparation, <laughs> I was living in the waiting, waiting on results of tests for my doctor, which came back good. Yay. Um, <laughs> yay. <laughs> waiting um, to hear back on uh, the deal of a house going through, because otherwise next, uh, next month I'll be couch surfing all around. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and that's still in the works, but God's good and he's got it. And so it's in the midst of that waiting and that uncomfortable spot that actually we realize how much we trust or don't trust God. <laughs> I'm like, how much we want to take the, the driving wheel of our life back and say, God, you're not doing this quick enough. But then we always look back, don't we, and say, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> That's what that was for, right? And we forget so quickly. Because he brings us deeper to bring us higher. You know, um, there's this thing in our culture that just kind of wants to suppress things, you know, like, like even when I was going through the morning of my dad, 
you know, I, I'm sure different ones of you have worn different things in your life or different people, but it's like so many people, especially when they're uncomfortable with emotion, will just say, oh, be strong, don't cry, oh, please don't do that, you know, and like kind of just suppress it and suppress it and suppress it. But what I've learned, and some people say to me, oh, you, you've, you process things fast and furious, but it's because it's allowing those things to flow quickly so that they don't last forever, you know, and so... It's, it's been an amazing journey of kind of just watching that happen. Amazing, vulnerable, messy journey. Um, <laughs> you know, and there's all these shortcuts that we can take in the middle of these waiting times. There's all these opportunities. Oh, if you just kind of go here, uh, take that turn off before you know you're supposed to go there, but maybe that turn off will take you somewhere. All these shortcuts in life, you know, that we think will just get us out of that uncomfortable spot. And it's actually really important to not take that temptation because actually it just lengthens the journey anyways. And what I've learned is that what we suppress can turn into sickness. Let your grief be honest. Don't shut it up when it's welling up. So for this season of my life, I found myself in his story and I want all of us too as well. And going through the narrative of Jesus, Jesus's birth has actually helped me to bring context to what's been going on. And I actually pray that it will bring context to what's going on in your life as well. You know, surrounding the birth of Jesus, the birth and, and death and life of Jesus, there's around 300 prophecies in the Old Testament. Um, that were fulfilled there and just around the prophecy of uh, around his birth there's pro prophecies um, surrounding the lineage of Jesus where he would be born to whom he would be born and to where he would grow up like very specific things that were happening you know and it's amazing because the Jew the Jewish people knew something was coming they knew a messiah was coming there was an expectation um, that something was coming and they would have known the word probably better than any of us but there was an expectation that they had that for many of them, actually, when Jesus came, it wasn't what they expected. It was these great expectations, but perhaps were not attached to God. And for me, and perhaps for you, I was challenged by that thought. That perhaps... We're looking in a certain direction or working in a certain direction thinking that this is, this is where God's going to fulfill what he said about that. But to attach ourselves again and allow a course correction in our hearts to be like, God, maybe this is how you're going get, to get us there. And actually, usually it has nothing to do with my thoughts because usually he does things in a way that I could never even imagine. So often when I pray for people or do a God space with people, I think, okay, God, you, you're going to do this, 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 fix them up, fix them up, real good. There you go. And it is absolutely incredible that at the end of a time, a time of, of ministering or whatever to a person, to see the way that God gets to an issue, it's different than me. It's different than my own way. Maybe that's why he's called Wonderful Counselor. There's something to it that's important that we're going to get today. God wants us to receive it like a child. There's something about this season about children 
and the expectation and the trust and the, you know, the fun and the joy of children actually just receiving. And God actually, Jesus said that he wants us to receive the things of God like little children. And that's where the humility comes sometimes to take a course correction. <laughs> so the narrative of Jesus' birth, we can turn to it right now in um, Luke 1, 28. You could just turn on your apps or Bibles. I actually have a physical Bible today here. Um, good. <laughs> okay. So in Luke 1.28, so we know that, I can't get into all of it, and I'm going to start a little bit um, earlier than the notes do, okay? 1.28, I'm going to start at 26. During the sixth months, m- month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent from God God's presence to an unmarried girl named Mary, living in Nazareth, a village in Galilee. She was engaged to a man named Joseph, a true descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Grace to you, young woman, for the Lord is with you, and so you are anointed with great favor. Mary was deeply troubled over the words of the angel and was bewildered over what this might mean for her. But the angel reassured her, saying, Do not yield to fear, Mary, for the Lord has found delight in you and has chosen you to surprise you with a wonderful gift. (laughs) You will be pregnant with a baby boy, and you are to name him Jesus. He will be supreme and will be known as the son of the highest. And the Lord God will enthrone him as king on the ancestor David's throne. He will reign as king of Israel forever and his reign will have no limit. So this is 13 year old around Mary, just been engaged. Knows she needs to talk to Joseph about this. But it says, you are anointed with great favor. (laughs) She probably didn't feel that favor. That's why she was feeling a little troubled at that moment. (laughs) And I don't blame her. But it was the beginning of an incredible God journey in their lives. (laughs) I love it. Um, I follow Bob Goff on... um, Facebook or one of those things, and um, and it said it was this one little tidbit that he had. It says, "Be patient when it gets weird." The angel explained things to Joseph after he'd spoken to Mary, not before. <laughs> right? <laughs> so in those weird moments, just remember, <laughs> just remember, God's not done yet. <laughs> and in Luke 1, 40, 45, as Elizabeth was going to meet with, with Mary, and they had both been receiving these miracles of, of being pregnant, um, Elizabeth said, great favor is upon you, for you have believed every word spoken to you from the Lord. Okay? So this is going to carry us through the story. Because for Mary, it's not always going to look like God's in it. <laughs> Luke 2, 6 to 7. Well, just a little preamble. So, you know, while um, Mary was pregnant, um, a virgin told Joseph, 
um, that she was, you know, um, pregnant by the Holy Spirit. The angel came to Joseph and said, you know, reassured him, okay, I'm in this, it's okay. You could, you could um, be with her, but don't have sex with her until, until the baby, after the baby is born. And so then there's a census that was in that land that they had to go back to Bethlehem, back to Joseph's ancestral um, 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 hometown, and be able to go there and to be able to do the census right at the time when Mary is obviously about nine months pregnant. So this is inconvenient. Um, and in addition, all of his family would have been there, and so there was no room. Apparently, when you start to do a little bit of um, research, it said that there was no inn necessarily in that town, but there was the upper rooms of people's houses that would have been filled, so they say. And so basically, the only thing that they could find was a stable where all the feeble animals and probably a, a lot of refuse was at the bottom. Um, you know, so that's where they kind of ended up. And you know, this, this moment really ministered to me because sometimes God speaks to us things and, and says, wow, you're, you prophesies over us and says, you're going to do this, you're going to be this and do this and sell your place and, you know, all these crazy things. And then, <laughs> and then when you're stepping out in that faith journey, sometimes it can seem like, whoo, where are you, God? What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? But remember, those aren't the moments to get out. Those are the moments to dig into God. In Luke 2, 6 to 7, when they arrived in Bethlehem, Mary went into labor. Again, not convenient. And that, so, so, so it didn't even wait until she was actually in a place. She went into labor. So could you imagine? I mean, they're human. You know, you can imagine like the, the you know, husband and wife interaction of, Joseph, find a place now. I can eat. I'm not going to give birth on this camel or whatever she was on. You know, there's, there's the moment of a mess and a situation of like, God, where are you in this? Mary went into labor and there she gave birth to her firstborn son. After wrapping the newborn baby in strips of cloth, they laid him in a feeding trough since there was no available space in any upper room in the village. So, there were six angelic visitations surrounding the birth of Jesus, right? At least, in, recorded in the Bible. Six. And they came to, to, you know, Joseph, Mary, Zechariah, the Magi, shepherds, and they gave preparation, they gave direction, but not accommodation. Honestly, I was like, God, you could have sent an angel to actually say, this is the place you can go. The, the Radisson Inn down the, down the street is really, really good. You know, their hummus is spectacular. No, they actually, there was, it was a moment probably of silence of like, God, I, I'm giving birth to your son and you don't have a place for us. What is going on in this moment? You know, when we read what the angel spoke to Mary of, you are going to give birth to the son highest and all these things, I would be thinking if I was Mary, well, then I'm going to get the executive suite up at the maternity ward with all the good services and everything that I can get to actually make this comfortable because it's God's son, right? So <laughs> there's a discrepancy in this moment of God, why wouldn't you provide? But the fact is, is that there was a bigger picture of what God was doing that they didn't see at that moment. And God was in it. 
So Jesus' birth was, surra- was surrounded by a bit of a mess. So on the outside of this story, there was a cultural clash of those um, God was gathering to his birth. There was wise men from the east, the Magi, who came from the east after seeing the star of David appear in the sky over Jerusalem. These men were ancient astronomers who knew of the ancient Jewish uh, prophecies of the coming Messiah. And after seeing the star, they gathered gifts and traveled to Jerusalem. The shepherds in the field, the the King Herod, fulfillment of prophecy was in the midst of this moment. And the timing, actually, and the place had to be perfect. But they didn't know that. God knew the timing and place. It looked like a big, random, frustrating process. But at the time, God was present. And he was was going to fulfill prophecy because there was purpose to it. We need to be big picture people. Otherwise, the daily disappointments and momentary meanderings of life will dishearten you and can put your heart off course. It's your heart that's the most important part of your life. Because if your heart gets muddled in the middle of a transition moment, it doesn't matter where God's leading you to. So we need to let him keep our hearts clear, clean, and with a dialogue to him along all of these crazy moments of life. Just because it's a bumpy ride doesn't mean you're on the wrong track. (laughs) Luke 1.45 says, Great favor is upon you, for you have believed every word spoken to you from the Lord. This was spoken to Mary. So Mary and Joseph would need to remember in, that dark, in the dark moments what God said in the light. And that's what we have to do too. You know, it's amazing because there's something that God did with their faithfulness that maybe they didn't see coming and at that moment on in the scripture, it goes on to actually talk about when Mary and Joseph, you know, out of, out of faithfulness and they, were, they loved God and they wanted to do what was right, they prepared for the dedication of Jesus. In Luke 2.21, just turn with me so you stay awake, Okay. I'm just going to pray. Thank you, God. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, God, for your spirit. Lord, we thank you, God, for what you want to speak to these people today. And I just thank you, God, that there would be revelation these words, God, God, Lord, that um, God, that we would find ourselves leaning in, God, to what you have and grabbing a hold of what you have in this moment, God, for the journey ahead, Lord. So we just thank you for it. Amen. Okay, so we're going to go to Luke 2, 21. More like 25, but I'll give you a preamble of this. So basically... 
you know, there was a process after a, a Jewish baby was born. They had to get him circumcised about eight days later, named, and then the, the woman had to go through a period of pu uh, purification, which took about 40 days. And at the end of the 40 days, they went to, just like the good Jewish family that they were, they went to Jerusalem to dedicate the baby, and they uh, to dedicate Jesus in the temple. And, you know, she probably might not have felt like doing that, you know. And even, you know, this is before they even received the gifts from the Magi that would have given them, you know, provision and things like that. And so they actually had, had to give, the, the scripture says, even a, a lesser sacrifice because they had to actually bring a sacrifice to the temple when they were getting Jesus dedicated. You know, so they were coming with what they had. There's something to that. In Luke 2.25, it says, As they came to the temple to fulfill this requirement, an elderly man was waiting there. He was waiting there. God's in the waiting. And a resident of Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. The name Simeon means he who hears. <laughs> He was a very good man, a lover of God who kept himself pure, and the spirit of holiness rested upon him. Simeon believed in the imminent appearing of the one called the refreshing of Israel. For the Holy Spirit had revealed to him that he would not see death before he saw the Messiah, the anointed one of God. For this reason, the Holy Spirit had moved him to be in the temple court at this very moment Jesus' parents entered to fulfill the requirement of the sacrifice. So remember I was talking about, you know, the vast majority of the Jewish people that were expecting a Messiah to come in a certain way, look in a certain way, and do a certain thing. There was an expectation of that. But there was also the expectation of people who actually were leaning into the Spirit of God to hear him, to be in that moment of fulfillment. Simeon cradled the baby in his arms and praised God and prophesied, saying, Lord and Master, I'm your loving servant, and now I can die content, for your promise to me has been fulfilled. With my own eyes I have seen your word. The Savior you sent into the world, he will be glory for your people Israel and the revelation light for all people everywhere. Mary and Joseph stood there, awestruck over what was being said about their baby. So there was, this is a collision of faithfulness and fulfillment. And where in our human existence we are tempted to get away from a path when it's not comfortable, where it doesn't make sense, where it doesn't feel like God's with us, but we know that we've heard from God, I'm telling you, stay on that path because there's fulfillment somewhere on it. And God will weave it in and through in his timing, and it will be better and bigger than you could ever imagine. So the connection between Simeon and also there was another prophetess, Anna, who had also heard that Jesus was going to be the Messiah and that she would see him and started prophesying over him too. And so there was this collision of actually two gen three generations. 
Oh, come on. God. There's a perspective in generations, and there's a perspective in what God wants to do in your life. So you might be sitting here in the middle of it, trying to hold your family together, trying to hold your expectations together, but I'm telling you that there's a perspective, and there's people that God's going to gather around your life that's going to actually bring generational blessing and fulfillment on your life. So don't look at the small and the mess of the moment and undermine it. I'm telling you, if he's pruning you, it's because you're bearing fruit. It's part of it. If you want to fulfill, if you want to do something in this life, there's going to be these moments. If you're living a life purely of comfort, you're probably not doing it right. <laughs> I'm just telling you. But God wants to give us good things and fulfill the desires of our heart. But we need to allow our expectations to be attached to him and his expectations to be that union to start to happen again and those disappointments to be brought to him and processed in him because he is the wonderful counselor. And we all have layers. We all have complexities. We all have our stuff. We all do. And we accumulate it over time. But one moment of surrender in God can do more than what we could try to do with course-correcting ourselves through life. That's exhausting. It's exhausting to try to lead your life in all these directions to try to get to this God moment. If he started it, he'll complete it. Maybe I'll get the band up. went a little different than I thought, but that's okay. Thank you, God. I'm going to get you guys to stand up. In Isaiah 9, 6, says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. You know, Jesus has been brought into this world as a contrast you know, of the dark places that, that our world is in and the dark places that we even find ourselves in. But he's the light of the world. And he's still shining today. And can I say that even in the darkest, it's even in the darkest places, that's where he shines the most. That's where he can do the most work, is where we allow him to work in those depths of who we are, those depths of what we don't understand He's a good father. And there's pieces of your lives that feel disconnected from the puzzle, hey? It's like, God, what, what's, what's going on here? But our God is a God of fulfillment, and he's a completer. And we're all longing for that fulfillment. I love this scripture. 
This has carried me through so many hiccups and ups and downs in life, seen and unseen. Psalm 27, 14. Psalm 27, 14 says, here's what I've learned through it all. Don't give up. Don't be impatient. Be entwined as one with the Lord. Be brave and courageous and never lose hope. Yes, keep on waiting for he will never disappoint you. So right now, I just want to say to you, God is close to the brokenhearted. He's close to us in this moment where it feels like there's a crushing, where it feels like there's almost a pushing down, where it feels like, what, God, what are you doing right now? But I'm telling you that he is Emmanuel, God with us, and he is with us in the midst of it. And our choice is to let him into that mess. And Mary and Joseph did. I know you might see them like cartoon characters of Christmas, but these were real people who walked out a real journey of God and saw fulfillment. And maybe there's a part of the story of God that, 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 that God wants you to join in on that you maybe have dismissed because it didn't look like what you thought it would look like. Maybe there's a great expectation that God's going to replace with a God expectation. Maybe in this season of Advent, maybe we can find ourselves preparing our hearts for something new, for something we haven't seen before, for a new birth, for something new to be birthed on the inside of us so that birth, other birthings are going to happen around us. If we want what we haven't seen, we have to do things we haven't done before. And I feel that as a church, this is a moment of surrender. This is a moment of surrender of what we thought, of those disappointments that we're still grappling with, of some confusion and disorientation of where you've been hit and you don't quite know where to land. But I'm telling you, God is here and he is a mighty God. And he will do more with your surrender than you could do with anything that you can do in your life. He will do more with it. So I just want to open up the front. In a moment of surrender, can I just tell you, it's not necessarily what we will pray for you, but I'm telling you this is a moment with you and God. This is a moment where you step out and you actually take a step towards God, not just what people are going to say to you, because this is a God moment and he's here. And you will look back on this moment and you will say, God, you have done something that I could not do with these pieces I've given to you. So we're just going to go into worship. But just come on up with a stance of surrender to God. He's about to do something amazing in your life. Standing here in your presence. 
In the grace so relentless I am one By perfect love Wrapped within the arms of heaven In a peace that lasts forever Sinking deep in mercy sea I'm wide awake Drawing closer by grace Spirit. I breathe you in Come, Holy Spirit. into your love. Come, Holy Spirit. Oh, your love. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Oh, your love. Your love so deep is washing over me. Your face is all I see. You Let me encourage you people, this can be an incredible moment of um, shift in your own spirit and perspective. If you can hear me while you're standing down the front, I want to encourage you while you're standing here and if you're going to come, to let this be a place of surrender, not to the circumstance that's caused your problem or your challenge but to the Lord. And if you listen in this moment, this is my important encouragement to you. Tell God you do not put him on trial. Tell God you do not put him on trial. Wherever we're standing, whatever the circumstance, tell God. God, you're still good. God, you're still true to your word. I left off any sense that I'm judging you for what's happened. Because I know what happens on the human side of us. We, where were you, God? How come? This shouldn't be. A lot of things in this world should never be. But what is true is that Jesus has never left you nor in any way forsaken you. And Rose's message is so amazing beyond what we can understand in the big picture God is love care God is for you I want to really encourage you this was, an, this was a great word from the Lord for us today Thank you, Holy Spirit, Spirit of surrender. God, we take 
we take the moment to stop. We don't put you on trial for what we're going through, Lord. You're going to be proven to be who you are for us, not against us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come, Holy is Spirit. Come, Holy Your Spirit. Your face is all I see. You are my everything. Jesus Christ, you are my one desire. Oh, thank you. Lord, hear my own In the midst of our fears, in the midst of our anxieties, in the midst of our pains, you are who you are, God of love. We have life in you, Lord, Jesus. Jesus, thank you, Lord. close the meeting in half a second. Uh, My voice is not there. I'm still weary from much traveling. But um, it was very interesting as I departed on this particular trip. It was around that time that uh, Peter came off his bike up in the mountain and um, basically leaving on the day that he was in emergency and it, and it kind of just touches you because you in my position pastorally uh, you, you know you want to be involved in the pain of your brothers and sisters and you're going out of the country now I thank God that we have pastoral people who so very quickly responded to that need but it just seemed every day while I was away that there was a report on a diagnosis that wasn't great in somebody's life or a situation, including Rosa's dad passing away. And I knew, I knew Joe. I loved that man, respected him, gave us his wonderful daughter. But it seemed like there was a, a constant stream of crises and concerns pastorally. Somebody suggested that maybe we're under attack. Do you know, I, I don't subscribe. We're always under attack. The devil hates everything to do with God and church and people. But we don't live in the realm of a besieged victim. We live in a world that's fallen, needs the grace of God. 
But I could see the challenges pastorally. And in a moment where that heightens the sense of our frailty, I realized that we can, as a church, learn a great and very powerful redeeming lesson. And I think this morning, listening to Rose, who speaks out of her life's journey, as well as the momentary one of this last month, has really touched the point. This is what Christmas is about. The weary world rejoices. The desperation of the world that's crying out, who can't interpret anything right, who's looking for ways out, God has made a way in His Son. And sometimes His way is to sit with us through the pain. Other times it's to miraculously deliver us from the moment. Unto God belongs escaped from death, the Bible says. Sometimes there are other powerful answers that come. But many, many times we just have to walk through the process of not putting God on trial and saying, Jesus, whatever happens, I'm in good hands. I learned that when I was a boy. When my mum and dad knelt beside my brother's bed and committed him to the Lord as he died. I didn't understand it. It messed me up. But they surrendered him to God. I've grown up with, a, with an ethic that says God is always good, even if we don't understand it in the moment. I thank God for that heritage. God is good, people. God is good. And this stinking world with all of its horrendous things that go on, he hasn't lost the plot. He's still moving to do what he set out to do, to redeem mankind. And so, Lord, this morning we, we make our surrenders to you in all of our situations, big and small. We thank you, Lord, that Christmas serves a great reminder that you stepped into the midst of a, a difficult world, our world, and made yourself subject to everything that we walk through, that you could come alongside walk us into hope. So, Father, I pray the blessing of the season will begin to dawn on us like a bright sun from today on. We'll light the candles of peace and we'll light the candles of joy. We'll go our way rejoicing, knowing that we've seen the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The Messiah has come. Thank you, Lord Jesus, Savior of the world. Amen, amen. God bless you, people. Amen, amen. Amen. If you want prayer, you just come on up. Just keep this zone of prayer space. Stop kids from charging around in it. But if you want to come up and be prayed for, come on up. Thanks for listening. For more information, join us online at c3b.ca.